Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You've got to take responsibility, and you you can't allow, uh, you know, setbacks to to basically fail you. You have to persevere, you know, and, and you have to have the right mindset, you know, positive mindset. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. Hey, hey, what's going on, my lab mate? How are you doing? What are you doing during this self-quarantine time? I hope I've been able to provide value to you during this time through my podcast. I appreciate you tuning in every week and allow me to come to your earballs to share my knowledge and allow my guests to share their stories with you. Why is this important? You know, an intelligent person learns from their own mistakes, but geniuses learn from other mistakes. So by listening to the show, you are learning from mistakes that other people did so you don't have to go through the same thing now in today's episode we will be talking to an expert in checkbook control retirement accounts before i tell you more about today's episode i want to share with you a quick shout out to my incredible friends and a web designer darren peel he is the owner and operator of hey healthy media Darren and I are in the same mastermind, so my opinion is biased. But you don't have to listen to me. Uh, just check out his website at www.heyhealthymedia.com and see for yourself. All right, let's talk about our expert guest today. He is a member of the Forbes Council, an avid mountain bike rider and a superb connector. He is also the president and founder of Sense financial services you know he is very well connected in the real estate world our guest began his career in financial planning and real estate investing in the year 2000 he owns multiple properties in various states and he's a licensed california real estate broker our guest today is mr dimitri formichenko through a series of of conversation with his mentor, he realizes that a lot of real estate investor, even successful one, were making so much money but not in their retirement accounts. Many people actually were losing money in their retirement accounts. So he then made it a mission of his to become an industry expert and use this expertise to help others to manage their retirement account. And that's the reason why he founded Sense Financial Services. Dimitri lives in Southern California and he regularly speaks to different investor groups about the subject of checkbook IRAs. So let's dive right into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Mr. Dimitri Formichenko. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lab Podcast. I have Dimitri Formichenko here with me. Thank you so much for joining today, Dimitri. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, first of all, man, um, 
I'm going to get this wrong, but correct me. Snom Rushdenya. <laughs> you got it. You got it well. <laughs> Was it close? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. Yeah, I know your birthday was about two days ago. So I hope you had a great time with your family there in LA. Thank you. Indeed. Yeah, I'm blessed <laughs> with with the family, great family. Awesome. Um, so Dimitri, I, I understand that um you are actually not from the US. You came to the US in uh, 1996 from Russia, right? That is correct. Can you, um, just to build some context for the audience, can you um, talk to us about eight-year-old um, Dimitri? What was it like for you growing up? Well, uh, I uh, grew up in Russia. Um, I immigrated, uh, so I was there until I was 22. So I immigrated here when I was 22 years old. Um, I was born in Kazakhstan, which is one of the former republics of Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. But um, never lived there, so uh, lived in Russia until 22. Um, I'm uh, part of a large family. I'm one of uh, nine children, nine boys. Oh, wow. Um, nine boys. <laughs> yeah, I was number three. So uh, you said eight years old. Yeah, I uh, just, I think I started second grade at that time. We, uh, uh, school started at seven mm-hmm. uh, back there, and uh, we just moved from a, a suburban area into urban area. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I actually in, in my first grade, but yeah, it was fun. And then you came to the U.S. in, um, like you said, around 22, 23. Did you uh, study? college here i understand you uh have a degree in electrical mechanical engineer yeah that's what i went to school uh, back in uh, russia that's what i studied there i graduated got my degree worked for a few years and then when we moved here in the u.s obviously i had to study english as a second language and then uh, uh, i translated my degree i had to take some additional classes and uh got my degree translated, uh, which was equivalent to BS in uh, electromechanical engineering. So how did you go from being a mechanical engineer to being now known for doing solo 401k? Yeah, that's an interesting story. Um, So I got married in 2001. Um, I got uh, introduced to real estate investing a couple of years prior to that. Uh, And again, as a result, of me learning uh, about real estate investing, I uh, ended up buying a home to live in. It was a town home a um, few months before getting married. So my uh, my wife uh, moved in after we got married. And uh, uh, next year, I purchased the uh, first rental property, which was a foreclosure. And then uh, um, um, I got uh, laid off from my for my job, um, 2002 time frame uh, was basically uh, the market was changing and the economy was changing. I got laid off and I was looking for something. Again, just uh, newly married. My wife was uh, still at school. She didn't work. So basically uh, just the one income source. And uh, I was looking for something else to replace my, my income. And I got recruited by 
a financial services company. And I was doing just normal uh, IRAs and 401ks, traditional investments, mutual funds, things like that. So for like swaps and um, those companies that are offering right now, your, your company that you work for are similar to them? Yes. Yeah. So okay. traditional investments. And uh, uh, I did that for a few years. And then uh, a few a few years later, I transitioned into real estate full time. I was working with a local real estate investment company here in Orange County in Southern California. And uh, while working there, again, it's been a, a interesting uh, transition there because of my uh, background experience in financial services and also real estate investment experience. Uh, the company was looking uh, uh, for a company to do self-directed IRAs. We actually worked with few companies, but none of them really worked out well. So none of those companies actually worked out. And uh, I was given a task to start this as a department. So I started uh, doing this while I was working uh, for a company. And then about a year later, I decided to transition on my own. And that's when you started Sense Financial? Yeah. So back in 2010, this year, we actually celebrated 10 years. Uh, that doesn't seem like it, but yeah, it's been 10 years now. Wow. It was an amazing time to start. It was right at the time where we had the crash. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people came knocking for, you know, at your door to learn this strategy. Yeah. I mean, we had uh, the... the the market changed. Uh, people lost their uh, 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 yes, many people lost properties. Uh, people uh, created uh, they got damaged. So they were looking for ways to continue to invest because it was a good time to invest. And uh, uh, so, yeah, we since then we actually the market actually didn't affect us. Uh, just looking back from 2010 till now, we had a steady growth. You know, we didn't really have any ups and downs. We had just consistent uh, flow of new clients. Uh, there's always been demand for what we do. Right, and for the um, listener, we're talking to uh, Dimitri about, um, we're talking to Dimitri about a topic that his company specializes in and that is using solo 401k um, to help you invest in a number of different vehicles uh, not just the traditional stock bonds mutual funds he's really an expert in this field and i really want to uh, take a deep dive in um, this topic because we are now in a psychic economy everyone wants to have another job or another uh, business besides their main income because you cannot survive on just one source of income now. And Solo 401k is really good. It's really a good fit for that purpose, right, Dimitri? Yeah. So um, just a little bit of a backstory uh, or um, I remember uh, probably 15 plus years ago attending uh, the seminar on uh, investing and uh, the seminar was hosted or maybe a couple of speakers at the seminar were authors of the book called 
ABCs of making money. Okay. And uh, um, uh, so they, they they talked about different aspects and strategies. But I remember one thing that stuck to me, you know, from that book. And that was about creating multiple streams of income. And uh, so for those of you who have a job, just know that you don't own a job, regardless how secure you think it might be, you don't own it. Somebody else own it, owns it, and uh, you, you might have it today, you might not have it tomorrow. So it's always good to create other sources of income that you're not just relying on one source of income. And uh, you, you're right, we, we are in the time when the gig economy is uh, booming and uh, people are starting all kinds of things. So uh, by creating that side gig, uh, which can be literally anything that's going to help you create that additional source of income, which potentially you can develop into a full-time business. But that also will enable you to qualify for a solo 401k, which is a great vehicle to build wealth. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the thing is when you are making more money outside of your job, and we're talking about your side job now, your side gig, you don't want to pay a larger um, portion of your income to Uncle Sam. You want to find ways to limit that. And Dimitri, why don't you um, just share at a 30,000 foot level what exactly is a solo 401k and what benefit does it give you? Uh, sure. So the solo 401k is a retirement plan designed specifically for those people who are self-employed or own a small business. Uh, so the criteria, again, to qualify is you have to have that self-employment activity or a business activity. And number two, you cannot have any full-time employees working for a year. So you might have a, a part-time assistant, but you got to keep your employees under 1,000 hours a year. As long as you meet that criteria, and again, uh, it's not for everyone, but many people do fall into this category. As long as you qualify, then you can establish this, this plan. Your business can be in any uh, shape or form. It can be an LLC, partnership, corporation, or just sole proprietorship. And uh, again, if you're qualified and you are eligible for a solo 401k, and it comes with some great benefits. And one of those, you were talking about the tax liability, and that's probably one of the main benefits. This plan allows you to contribute large amount of your income into this plan, essentially sheltering your income from taxes. This year, contribution limit for the solo 401k is over $63,000. I mean, so it was, it was 55 and now this year is 63? Well, uh, it was a 55 few years ago. The, the 63, five, that's uh, including the catch up. So there is a, uh, actually a $56,000 or 57 actually this year, I believe. It just uh, raised uh, another thousand this year. And then for those people who are over 50, they can contribute additional $6,500 as a catch-up contribution, making the total limit of 63.5. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. If you're successful in what you do, uh, then yeah, the challenge that you're facing is uh, tax liability. 
the government will tax you on that. And uh, being able to shelter that that much of income from taxes is great. And and think about if you're a husband and wife business, if you're in, in business with your spouse and you can potentially shelter over $120,000 of your income from taxes, which can be a, a huge tax savings. So not only you're not paying taxes on that much of uh, income, but also by uh, contributing that much, you're dropping your taxable income, which will result in a lower tax bracket. So you're going to be paying less taxes and less percentage because you're now in a lower tax bracket. So the, the taxes, uh, tax savings can be huge. Exactly. Let's say, for example, you and your spouse make, let's say, 100000 each and you each have your own business. You put in your own plan. Um, let's say you put in 60 a year. Now you only have to pay 40 on your personal income. Yeah, again, it, it can be huge. So if uh, you, you won't be able to maximize the uh, the contribution at, at just $100,000, you need more income to put the maximum. But you can, you can put a good chunk uh, of that. I mean, even if uh, using a combined income of $200,000, if you're able each uh, put thirty to, you know, $40,000, that's, let's say, $80,000 of income combined that you can contribute to this plan, you drop in your taxable income from $200,000 to only $120,000. That will surely drop your taxable income. So you're going to be paying taxes and, and significantly lower lower amount at a lower tax bracket. So and that will result in uh, probably twenty to forty thousand dollars in tax savings just alone. Yeah, that's that's great. Now, Dimitri, is there um, a way for us to use solo four hundred one k in combination with, let's say, a health saving account? Well, those are two separate plans. So a health savings account is not a retirement account, but a uh, health saving account is is a great vehicle, actually. That uh, uh, you you know we, you should be utilizing. I, I'm utilizing that myself. And uh, the the point of the HSA is that you you do want to contribute. You want to maximize contributions to the HSA, which is tax deductible. And then you want to grow them in a tax deferred environment. Don't use your HSA to pay for the medical expenses now. Just pay the medical expenses out of pocket and continue your 401k to grow. And then later on, you can you can pay for the expenses that you incurred 20 years ago. And you can basically start taking tax-free distributions from your from, HSA. From so it is a, HSA, right? Yeah. It is a, it is a powerful vehicle. Again, it's, it has a different purpose, but uh, uh, you certainly should be maximizing that in uh, combination with the solo 401k. Okay, so in let's reel back to solo four hundred one k. There are some similarities, some differences between solo four hundred one k and self directed IRA in terms of using it to purchase uh, real estate or invest in an, anything, because this is a uh, qualified retirement plans that allow you to invest outside of the traditional uh, stock bond mutual funds. So you can buy real estate, you can buy um, oil well. Uh, new developments and uh, different ventures. Can you 
talk about the similarity and the differences between the two in terms of the prohibited transactions? Well, um, as far as the prohibited transactions, the rules are the same for both plans. Both are qualified plans. And uh, it's very important that you understand this, Rose, because you do have control with these plans, but with control comes responsibility. Uh, so it's very important to understand the rules. And uh, regardless whether you're using a self-directed IRA, which is held by the custodian, you have to go through the custodian for each transaction. Or if you have checkbook control over your solo 401k, the rules are the same. And, and regardless which vehicle you're using, you're responsible. Some people think there's more risk because uh, of the checkbook control. Well, yeah, there is more I guess uh, the possibility is higher for you to make an, uh, committing a prohibited transaction, but the risk is the same because you are responsible regardless which option you're using. So that's why it's important for you to understand the rules. Now, uh, when it comes to prohibited transactions, uh, as far as investments, IRS says that there is only uh, two investments that you cannot make with, uh, with an IRA. Uh, that is collectibles and life insurance contracts. And in addition to that, you need to understand that uh, a disqualified person uh, or transaction that may involve disqualified person. And disqualified person is yourself, your spouse, your kids and grandkids and their spouses, your parents and grandparents. So basically vertical line. If you remember a vertical line, that's uh, those are the a group of people, which is immediate family members, that you're not allowed to engage in a transaction with your IRA or 401k. And uh, uh, example of that uh, prohibited transaction can be, let's say, you, uh, uh, you, you are a real estate agent. You have a real estate uh, uh, license. When you buy an rental property in your IRA or 401k, you're not allowed to act as an agent on that transaction and represent your IRA because you're providing a services that is prohibited and then you're going to get compensated uh, for doing this transaction. That is also prohibited. You're not allowed to receive any compensation from your uh, qualified plan. Or if your uh, spouse is, uh, uh, has a contra uh, contracting business, your spouse cannot or his company cannot work on the property that uh, your IRA or 401k owns. And then uh, let's say uh, if you buy a rental property, you're, again, that group of people, disqualified uh, persons, cannot uh, stay in the property or rent that property from your IRA. That will be prohibited. Okay. So I've heard that um, people could partner with their IRA or uh, 401k. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a lot of talk out there on the internet about partnering with your IRA, but you got to be very careful. Uh, a, a general uh, answer or generally the, the advice or counsel that I give to my clients is don't do that because uh, now your qualified plan is partnering with disqualified person. You're a disqualified person and this transaction could be prohibited depending on the circumstances or if it's not prohibited, it can lead to a prohibited transaction down the road because of the involvement of the disqualified person. So, and the reason why most people want to partner with their with their IRA because there is not enough money in an IRA. 
or maybe they personally don't have enough money to do the deal. So they're trying to pull the IRA funds together. Well, you just receiving indirect benefits from an IRA by partnering. So if you break it down this way, then that becomes a prohibited transaction. So be very careful about that. Again, my, my advice, don't use that. If you have to use it, be sure you have an attorney. Don't just uh, listen to a custodian who tells you, yes, you can do that because they're not going to be responsible for your transactions. When you open an account with an IRA custodian, you specifically will sign a disclaimer saying that you they don't have any liability. You are 100% liable for transactions in your IRA. So don't do that. Again, it's, it's, it's uh, more of a gray area, and uh, most likely that's going to result in a prohibited transaction. There are so many other ways to invest money. Uh, it's not worth taking this risk. And I understand that, let's say you actually did it without knowing um, that you did a prohibited transaction. Um, the benefit in a solo 401k is that you don't have to pay a penalty for that transaction. You don't get actually get wiped out on that entire uh, retirement plan as opposed to a self-directed IRA. Your IRA is pretty much gone. Well, if you uh, commit a prohibited transaction in an IRA, then entire IRA will be considered distributed. Uh, in a 401k, you actually have the ability to correct a prohibited transaction. So if you discover that you made a prohibited transaction, you can restore that uh, account to the status prior to the transaction. If it's not possible, if it's been, been too, too long, then uh, only the amount that is involved in that transaction will be considered distributed, not your entire 401k. So yeah, th there's definitely some major advantages in this regard that 401k has over an IRA. All right, now, Dimitri, let me ask you this. Let's say I am running my own syndication and I myself is on the GP side. Can I have my uh, solo 401k invest passively on the LP side? Uh, you cannot because, again, that will be considered, uh, it's not, <clears throat> it will not be arm's length transaction. So when you invest with uh, your IRA or 401k, all the transactions must be arm's length, and this will not be considered arm's length because of, of your personal involvement. Uh, so basically, again, because you're a general partner, and by investing or having your 401k invest in that deal, you will receive indirect benefit from this, and that is not allowed. Great stuff, man. Now, we are listening to uh, Dmitry Fomichenko from sense financial if you want to get a hold of dimitri to learn more about his product and what his company does you can reach out to dimitri directly at 949-228-9393 and his email is dimitri at sensefinancial.com all this information will be available in the show notes section as well so you don't have to write it down um, now let's go back to our conversation here dimitri um I understand that you not only teach the subject and help clients do um, so set up solar 401ks, you actually use this vehicle to invest yourself, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. I've been uh, uh, investing uh, in uh, real estate since 2001. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, that was my first, uh, actually was my uh, residence, which uh, I converted to an investment. But uh, uh, I've been... Uh, 
investing in rental properties. I had over 20 properties at one point. When I started this business, I changed my strategy. I uh, wanted to be more passive. I didn't want to have uh, hands-on uh, involvement with uh, my properties. So I sold some of the properties. I still have a couple of rentals left, but uh, I've been doing uh, private lending, uh, which I love. It's completely passive, great return. Uh, and uh, on the personal side, uh, the, the downside is that uh, it just increases your overall income, which increases your taxes. And there is no nothing to offset uh, that. So I've been looking at alternatives, and I uh, started investing in syndication with my uh, personal savings, which uh, uh, the primary reason for the diversification and the tax benefits. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of tax liability we should pay attention to if we were to use the solo 401k to invest? Well, if you invest, uh, uh, comparing might be a good comparison, Bobby, to use uh, uh, an IRA compared with the solo 401k. So if you're investing in, in real estate or in syndication and you use leverage, which, again, you can buy a rental property just uh, paying cash from your IRA, uh, or you can use uh, uh, leverage, which you can finance it. You have to use non-recourse loan because you're personally not allowed to guarantee that loan. And then uh, uh, if you're investing in syndication, you basically invest in, in, in an LLC, and most syndications do use leverage. Uh, whenever there is leveraged used, income from that portion of the property will be considered uh, UDFI which stands for unrelated debt finance income. And whenever tax-exempt entity, which is IRA, is, is engaged in this uh, or receiving this kind of income, unrelated uh, business income tax will apply, or UBIT. And uh, uh, that tax is, uh, uh, it's, uh, there is a sliding scale, how it is calculated, but it's pretty quickly reaches 37%. Um, now, you're still able to deduct a portion of expenses. Uh, but uh, in an IRA, you, you, you have to uh, deal with that tax. 401k, however, is exempt from UDFI. So whenever there is leverage in, uh, in the picture and you're using your 401k, there is going to be no tax consequences. So that makes it another uh, reason or gives another reason why this vehicle is superior. To an IRA. So essentially when you are using solo 401k to invest, um, when you cash out, when you take the distribution, you're only paying uh, taxes at that point. And during the time you have this solo 401k, you don't really have any tax liability. Is that correct? Uh, correct. As long as the income is passive, you don't pay any. It, uh, it's tax deferred vehicle. Retirement accounts are tax deferred, so there is no. You're able to grow your wealth in a tax deferred environment, which is, you know, the end result is going to be, you will accumulate much larger amount of wealth quicker than uh, in the taxable account, and that's why again, if you're able to qualify for a solo 401k, it's way to go because that will enable you to not be subject to that UBIT tax on leverage real estate when you invest in syndication or, or just use leverage uh, in, in rentals. Right, right. And, and since we're talking about this, um, there's another 
area within the solo 401k that you actually pointed out to me in uh, our initial exchange was the Roth component of uh, solo 401k. Can you talk a little bit about that and what's it what's it all about? How does it work? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, so um, as you many of you know, there is a Roth IRA, which is uh, uh, you make contributions post tax and then you're able to grow your your account tax free. And the distributions will be tax-free. Now, there are some limitations to, to Roth IRA. Obviously, the the limit on contributions is only six thousand dollars. And uh, if you uh, if you're over certain income uh, threshold, which is hundred something thousand dollars, then you're not allowed to make contributions to this plan uh, to to this uh, Roth IRA. Um, now you can always go and make a backdoor Roth IRA contribution, which is making a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA and then converting that to a Roth. Um, so you can do that. You can still get money in a Roth IRA, but again, the limit is $6,000 for this year. With the solo 401k plan, there is a Roth component. So the, there is two components on contributions. You can contribute as an employee of your business, because you're doing the work, you're considered employee or participant. Uh, as an employee, you can contribute $19,500. $19,500? dollars So that's uh, employee elective deferral contribution. And this component, you can do pre-tax or you can contribute post-tax into a Roth. So um, solo 401k, as long as the plan documents allow, which all of our plans do, um, so all of our clients, they're able to make Roth contributions up to $19,500, which is, again, uh, more, more than three times uh, higher than a Roth IRA, and there is no income limit uh, on that. And is this 19500 on top of the uh, normal limit for a solo 401k? No, it is part of that. Oh, it's part of that. Okay. So... The overall, let's say you can push it to the max is fifty seven thousand for the year. Um, you said then this nineteen thousand five is is part of it, make Correct. up to a total. Okay. Correct. God. Could you share a little bit? Let's say the listener wanted to set up this solo four hundred one k. What are the requirement that they need to have before they even come to you? And uh, also talk about what what service you have for you know, this sort of thing. Well, uh, again, the requirement is uh, uh, we, we kind of gone over that, which is you must have legitimate self-employment activity or a business in place. Uh, business can be any shape or form. Uh, it can be a corporation or an LLC or a partnership or can be just a sole proprietorship. Uh, let me give you a few examples. I have many clients who are real estate agents. So as real estate agents, they work with a broker and they just simply independent contractors. They don't have any entity set up. They don't have LLC or a corporation. They basically uh, consider it sole proprietors. And right. they receive 1099 payable to, to, to their names. Mm -hmm. And then they file Schedule C, which is part of their tax return. So as a sole proprietor, you can do that. Another example is uh, just a recent uh, uh, example. I have a client who is a nurse. And... Uh, uh, actually, he works for a hospital as a W-2 employee, but he also does some work on the side. 
as independent contractor doing the same line of work, nursing. And uh, he receives 1099 for that. So that income will be considered self-employment income. And this person will be considered sole proprietor, which enables him to qualify for a solo 401k. So and, even 1099 employees, if you work for someone, you could still set up your own solo 401k. Yeah. I mean, 1099, you basically independent contractor. You, you're not working for somebody as an employee. You, you work for yourself. Uh, so if you work for yourself and you, you receive 1099 income and you report that income on, a, on your tax return, which, again, you, you don't need a separate tax return. Uh, it's simply a Schedule C, which is part of your personal tax return. You report that income, you pay taxes, uh, self-employment taxes on that income, you are eligible for solo 401k. And so the, the beauty of this is that it, it can be literally anything. You can do anything as long as you work for yourself, doing whatever, and you generate income doing that, then you're, you're eligible. Now, it has to be legitimate uh, activity. Uh, just today, somebody asked a question on a forum uh, that I offer participate in, uh, was actually uh, on that topic, was uh, asking if I uh, receive or generate $600 a year in. Uh, in self-employment income, will that, will that be sufficient? Well, uh, this is really questionable because if, if all you're doing is just generating a few hundred dollars a year, then do you really have a business? I mean, if you're just starting out and, and that's your first year income, maybe, but uh, if you're consistently just generating a few hundred dollars a year, that's really a hobby. It's not, not really a business. You, you gotta show some profit. Uh, to to prove that you have a legitimate business. Well, what what profits mar- uh, are you um, requiring? Because I I have a questions about this too. Would be uh, you know like let's say um, WeWork or Lyft, Ubers. They they are losing money big times, but I don't think we can claim they are um, you know not a business. Well, again, uh, IRS has a good uh, um, uh, explanation on this topic. You can just Google uh, self-employed IRS or IRS self-employed, and you, you'll see a link to the IRS page which explains who self-employed is, mm-hmm. what the requirements are. And, and also that's something for you to discuss with your CPA. You know, I'm not a CPA, so I'm going to be careful on uh, making a specific statement here. but. The bottom line is you've got to have uh, uh, legitimate self-employment activity with intention of generating profits. And it needs to be more than just a couple of hundred dollars. It needs to be, in my opinion, a few thousand dollars. So if you're able to show a few thousand dollars of profit in a year, then you do have legitimate self-employment activity. And then uh, uh, there is no issues for you establishing a qualified plan. Right, right. Now, going back to what I was asking earlier, because um, I was going at um, at it where I'm trying to see what someone needs to have before they come to you and and um, become a client. So, well, could you talk a little bit about about the the process and what you what that looks like? Yeah, they need to have a presence of self employment activity. Again, it can be anything. You know, if if you real estate agent, you work for yourself, or you uh, uh, again. A nurse who 
uh, does some side work or you, you run in your own uh, handyman uh, uh, business or maybe you're flipping properties, right? Even if you flip one property a year, that is legitimate self-employment activity that will enable you to qualify. So as long as you have that activity in place, then you're eligible. Well, again, the second component is you cannot have any full-time employees working for you. So remember that that, that is also important. So you, you must meet those two criteria. Have the presence of legitimate self-employment activity and absence of full-time employees. As long as you have that, then uh, we'll set up a plan for you. You don't need entity. Uh, if you if you using a loss to on your business, that's fine. Uh, if you don't, you can just adopt uh, this plan as a sole proprietor. So if you're flipping houses and you're using a single member LLC, but you flip more than once a year, um, you could qualify for this. Sure. Yeah. And again, you don't really need an LLC uh, to flip properties. You can just do it in your own name. You know, you can flip one property a year, you know, uh, clear, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand. And, and that's your that's your business. Uh, I have many clients who do that. They, they do it part time. They still maintain their jobs they have good jobs they they don't have any intention of leaving them but they they also uh, use uh, uh, their you know resources that they have and their ability to flip homes and they generate extra income which they use to uh, shelter uh, into 401k build that retirement right and and another questions i forgot to ask you earlier when we were talking about the uh, roth uh, component of your solo 401k it's when you take a distribution, uh, the Roth portion is also tax free, right? Correct. So when you take distribution from a just a normal four hundred one k or a traditional IRA, that distribution becomes taxable income. So you receive an a ten ninety nine from your uh, retirement account, and you declare that amount on your taxes. So you pay in taxes on that amount in the year that you take a distribution. Qualified distributions from a Roth four hundred one k are tax-free. So you pay zero taxes on that. So how do you differentiate between the component that you grow tax-deferred and the component that you grow tax-free? Well, yeah, you you must differentiate that. So you need a separate account for your ROT. So if you're making ROT contributions, then you will uh, contribute that to a separate designated ROT account under your 401k, 401k umbrella, so to speak. Can you commingle the money on the both accounts? Well, commingle in what way? You you can't commingle them in one account. You got to keep them separate. Uh, the IRS requires that you maintain separate accounting for each type of money. Now, can you co-invest them together? Let's say Correct. you have yeah. you have hundred thousand dollars in pre-tax money in your four hundred one k, and you've got twenty thousand dollars in a Roth account in your four hundred one k. Sure, you can pull them together and make one investment uh, into uh, a property or a syndication or whatever it is, and then you just have to maintain the percentage. So if the ROT uh, account owns 20% of the this investment, then all the profits will need to be split accordingly. Uh, so 20% of income from that will go back to the ROT uh, account or your 401k. And then when you liquidate the investment, 20% of the profit will go back to the right account, but you can certainly pull those funds together. Great stuff, man. I've never heard of this strategy before. 
I'm really glad that you were able to shed the light on on that, Dimitri. Now, what's the um, just on a personal side? What's kind of your your um, what's exciting things are you working on right now? Well, I, I've been uh, blessed to just learn these principles over the years, uh, and uh, um, you know it's been an interesting experience. I when I started investing in real estate, I had some setbacks. So I, I invested at the top of the market, which uh, uh, I end up uh, losing a number of uh, properties because uh, of the, the the wrong timing. You know, obviously I learned the lesson. It was painful lesson uh, financially, but uh, it was very valuable lesson for me to to actually help me get where where I'm at now. And uh, I was able to apply those principles. They they taught me. Uh, to, to be conservative investor, and uh, uh, I'm I was able to achieve financial independence, and uh, I don't have to work for money. I enjoy what I'm doing, so I enjoy helping folks uh, kind of impl- uh, uh, duplicate what, what I've done, you know, which is a great vehicle, and you know I continue to build my retirement accounts, and uh, again I don't have to do what I'm doing, but uh, I enjoy it. That's good stuff, man. Now. If you want to get a hold of Dimitri and schedule a free consultation, um, he does offer that. You make sure to go uh, check him out at www.sensefinancial.com. And you can also call Dimitri at 949-228-9393. Dimitri, one last question before I let you go. What's your favorite or most, um, yeah, what's, what is your most favorite mindset or success quote? Success quote. Um, well, um, I, I'm not sure I can uh, just come up with something. Uh, or do you uh, have a proverb that you like? Uh, you know, w- what I can think that uh, uh, th- that I can say, uh, which, you know, I'm teaching. I just talked about that with my daughter uh, recently. Maybe it's not the the most favorite, but just one of one of them is that you got to take responsibility, and you you can't allow uh, you know setbacks to to basically fail you. You have to persevere, you know, and, and you have to have the right mindset, you know, positive mindset. Uh, you. Um, uh, Oh, here is the quote that that I was uh, thinking about that I just uh, talked to with my daughter. And it says, they can because they think they can. So, you know, it's it's believing that that you can do it. And many people, they they fail because they don't believe. And I, I actually made a point to my daughter saying that, what if you say, you know, change this quote a little bit. They can't because they think they can't. So right. if they think they can't, then, you know, they fail. And again, the example, um, uh, we're homeschooling our daughter. So okay, I say we, it's mainly my wife who does <laughs> all the work. But, uh, um, I help a little bit with Matt and, and I, I'm responsible for PE. So Okay. This year, my daughter is uh, uh, is uh, uh, she's running mainly, so we're doing other physical activity, but mainly she's running. And uh, uh, the goal is uh, 
for her to run uh, uh, two miles in like under 20, 23 minutes, I think. And uh, we actually skipped a few days. And then uh, this one day, we are, uh, I said, okay, you've got to, today's the test. You've got to do it. And she said, oh, no, dad, I can't because I, I didn't run, you know, last couple of days. And I reminded her this. You know, you, you don't you don't say that. You don't have that limited limiting belief. Instead, you say, okay, well, I'm not sure if I can do it, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm, I'm going to give it everything I can. And I'm going to make an effort to make that happen. And that, that makes all the difference rather than limiting yourself. Because you, if you say, oh, no, I cannot do it, you, you're guaranteed to fail. But if you... If you're gonna try, most likely you're gonna you're gonna be able to succeed. Maybe not from the first try, but if you continue to try trying this, and when it comes to financial independence and investing, you can certainly there is so much valuable information out there, and people who want to help you, uh, who achieve that. Uh, so you can do it. Yeah, definitely. Just keep on hitting. Uh, you can hit on hit straight. All the times, but then keep on swinging and you will get a home run out of them. Awesome. <laughs> Terrific, Dimitri. Spasibo. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. Sure. You're very welcome. It's a, a great, uh, we had a great conversation. I enjoyed it. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.